Good morning, everyone. Um, so the reading today comes from John 17, 18 through 26. And it says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly in one, perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I am known to them, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. In this series, Church in Motion, we look at how the church lives and moves in an ever-changing world. We are focusing on four words found in the Nicene Creed, beautiful and powerful words professed by followers of Jesus across the centuries and around the world. When we declare the church to be one, holy, Catholic and apostolic, we are drawn into the missionary activity of the triune God. As a unifying church, we actively partner with others in kingdom ministry. As a sanctifying church, we demonstrate the effects of forgiveness and healing to the world, not just to our own members. As a reconciling church, we are given the ministry of peacemaking in the midst of racism, division, and brokenness. And as a proclaiming church, we preach, teach, mobilize and send disciples who make disciples who plant churches that plant churches all to the glory of Jesus good morning everyone so I if I have not met you like uh, Jeff said I see a lot of new faces around here so if I have not said hi to you directly um, hi uh, so my name is Pastor Andrew Walker here at Axe Church Kyle, which is a member of the Axe Church Network. So we're a network of church plants in the greater Austin area that plant churches. We're a very mission-minded uh, group of, of churches. Um, two years ago, I was called by Axe Church in Lakeway uh, to plant a church here. And we were moving, I grew up in Georgetown, but my first church was in Missouri, and when we came here to visit and interview with the church and, and meet the people and that kind of thing, um, you know, we, I sat down with them to lunch. I ate with some of their leaders and were kind of sharing stories and asking questions, and, and I asked them, like, so how did you get connected with Axe Church uh, Lakeway? And, and I was expecting, you know, something like, well, a new church opened up, down the road, it was you know close, I thought I would check it out, it was more convenient, I went in there and I liked it, so I stayed. Or I was looking for a closer Lutheran church, so, you know, and this was the closest one that I found, or something like that. But what I got was actually uh, tears. I, I, got, I got brokenness, I got stories of healing and, and real impact 
by the gospel. And now these leaders who had been healed by the gospel are helping people heal by the gospel. And, and I saw Jesus manifested in this group of churches in such a way that they are, are living and replicating and moving in the world and not just, you know, kind of sitting static. And I really wanted to be part of this church in motion. Um, so the way this is going to work in the next few weeks, those other planters from the network are going to visit here, one each week. So if you see a strange face each week, they're supposed to be here. They belong here. Um, you know, don't, don't run them out of town. Not that y'all would do that anyway. They're a very nice group of people. So, uh, but but they're, they're sharing with us different aspects of this, of this group ministry. So um, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the one church. Each one of those words that you saw reflected up there, one, holy, Catholic, apostolic. This is not Roman Catholic. This is little c Catholic. It means universal, okay? The church throughout time and space. Um, one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. These are the words that describe the church in the Nicene Creed. It's an ancient profession of beliefs um, by the churches gathered uh, to, to unify those churches. And we can misuse these words, these confessions, these creeds. We can misuse them, but what we're focusing on in this series is using them to move, using them in a missional light, saying that who we are determines how we move in the world. We say one holy Catholic apostolic. That's who we are, but it determines how we move in the world. A unifying, proclaiming, sanctifying, reconciling church that's how we move in this world. So we're going to focus on the one church today. And scripture uses a number of ways to describe the church. Uh, Jesus says we are one, calls us his body. We are a, a living temple, right? A family. All of these words describing a unit. And yet, scripture also describes the church in this kingdom language. Advancing, including, taking over lives, impacting and growing. So it's not just we are, we are one, gathered, static, but we are not just unified, we unify. We bring people in, we bring people together. So um, another, another way of saying this, and what we're going to kind of drill down here, is that a church that is unified in Jesus, unifies in Jesus. Can you say that with me? A church that is unified in Jesus unifies in Jesus. And right away, I, I, hope, I, I know some of you would raise your hands and say, I'm calling you on that. Uh, not true. right? If this was the mission, it's a tremendous fail. I, on the way here, I live literally five minutes away. Five minutes away, down Rebel Road, outside Plum Creek. I passed six different churches of six different denominations on the way here this morning. Okay, so a unified church is uh, a unified church seems like a misnomer, especially because some of the deepest hurts, some of the worst pain that people have experienced in this world has come from the church. They feel cast out. They feel divided. They feel other than. They don't feel included or united. They feel attacked. I mean, since the Nicene Creed has even been written, we've had wars fought. There have been lives actually lost or ruined 
There have been countless gallons of blood and ink spilled to prove one point. We Christians are not like those Christians. It's devastating. So how are we one church? How were we united at all? Do you know why the church behaves this way? Do you know why Christians attack and divide and separate like this? Do you know why? Because we build friendly churches. We build friendly churches. Let me explain that. C.S. Lewis said this about friendship. Friendship arises out of mere companionship when two or more of the companions discover that, what, that they have in common some insight or interest or even taste which the others do not share and which, till that moment, each believed to be his own unique treasure or burden. The, the typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, what, you two? I thought I was the only one. I had a childhood friend, lived right next door to me. I grew up with him. Um, the thing that we had most in common over years of growing up together is we loved to play with fire. Like, loved it, like, to a disturbing degree. Like, our parents kind of joked that we, were, that we were pyros. But I'm thinking back now, and if my kids were, like, loved fire that much or played with fire that much, I, would, I really would be a little disturbed. And, you know, we would have to, like, talk with them. Like, you know, we would have... Uh, we would make these grotesque statues out of his sister's Barbies using like sparklers. And we would, you know, light stuff on fire with a magnifying glass outside. And, and one day we, we almost burned the block down because the paper that we lit on fire, a breeze picked up and carried it into our neighbor's very dry yard. Uh, like it was, it was, but we had that in common. We, we, we got along. We had other stuff in common. We liked the same movies and sports and stuff, but this was, you know, it was awesome. Um, anyway, now... My best, my best friend, uh, I would say, is, is my wife, Audrey, up here. Um, and her idea of playing with fire is, is, is the, the pop rocks that you throw, like, on New Year's Eve. Like, that's, that's the love of fire. Um, we, this is what we did on New Year's Eve, by the way. Like, we, we literally did this. Our kids loved it. But, you know, we steer clear of explosives and fire. Like, we tend, it's a very different kind of friendship. But that's how friendship is. It, it evolves and it changes. Your interests change. Your season of life changes. Um, your, your circumstances change. Your views change. And you find people who are bound to the same things that, that you are. And we treat church like it operates the same way. We treat church relationships the same. Think about the way we engage in church involvement, or we find new churches. We find a church where we like the same music that they're playing, or we share uh, the same mission, we can get on board with what they're trying to do, or we find other people who are in a, sim uh, a similar life circumstance, or who are surrounded, we're, if we're surrounded by people of the same race, or class, or, or, uh, or the same political views. We make our friends based on our tastes, and our views, and our needs, and our circumstances, kind of like C.S. Lewis was, was writing. This is one of the negative effects of the creeds and the Reformation. What it did, um, a, a negative byproduct of that, 
was that people were organized, Christians were organized by the fact you're either with us or you're not. You're one of us or you're not. You're like us or you're not. The church, although a lot of truth was reclaimed and preserved through the Reformation, was also severely divided during those centuries that followed and continues um, to be divided. Now, I, I want to be absolutely clear on this. The Nicene Creed has been crucial in uniting Christians, in combating falsehood. Do you know why the creeds are written? It's to combat dangerous and destructive concepts about Jesus. The Nicene Creed specifically was written because a lot of people were starting to believe that Jesus was a creature, that he was created by God, that he was not co-eternal with God. That, that Jesus and God were, were two separate beings enti entirely, that he was not um, as divine as, as the Father. So the Nicene, Creed, the Nicene Creed is crucial in combating these destructive beliefs, but we misuse this deep and beautiful and incredible language if we use it for division, if we use it to say who's in and who's out, who's with us and who's not. Because a church that is unified in Jesus unifies in Jesus. Unity is not commonality. Okay? Unity is not conformity. In fact, it's just the opposite. Unity happens amongst dissimilarities. It's bringing together. Friendly churches eventually make divided churches because they're based on what we have in common. We have to go deeper. We have to go deeper than friendship. Okay, We have to find unity because it only takes a minute to find something that you have very much not in common with someone else. Okay, It only takes a minute. It does not take long to get to know someone and say, wow, that's weird. Or I'm not sure I can hang out with you. Or, you know, if we are really talking, it does not take long to figure that out. We have to find something deeper than friendship that brings us together. And a church that is unified in Jesus unifies in Jesus. To use his own words in John 17 um, that you heard, it bears repeating again and again and again and again. Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for the apostles, and he's praying for the disciples of the disciples. He's praying for future generations of Christians as well. And he says this, I do not ask for these only, these 12, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. C.S. Lewis says, he goes on to say after this friendship quote, he goes on to say that friendship is the least biological of the loves. You don't need it to survive. It's a wonderful, awesome thing to have a friend, but you don't need it for survival. Okay? So when we treat church as just areas of commonality, it's easy to cut people off. But the unity in Christ, that we have in Christ, creates these inextricable, inescapable bonds in the gospel. We are extremely dissimilar, but Jesus unifies us. The catch 
is how he unifies us. Because he unifies us in a very inconvenient way. He unifies us through us. He uses us to unify one another in him. A church that is unified in Jesus unifies in Jesus. But here's what that looks like. The word of Jesus came to the apostles, which went to the church, which goes to the world. This is the train that he names in John 17. I pray that they may be one as we are one, that the word that I have given them, they give to others, that others would believe, and that the world believes through those others. There's a train, there's a path that goes along here, and we hate that path. We hate it. Here's what, here's what I mean. We try to unlink these things all the time. We try to unlink this all the time. The world loves Jesus, but hates the church. They don't want to go through the church or the apostles to get to Jesus. They want to say, well, you know, I I don't like Christians. I think they're mean. I think they're divisive. So I love Jesus by spending time outside. I love Jesus by spending time with my family. I love Jesus by listening to this specific song. It doesn't work like that. Okay? You do not unite to Jesus by skipping the church. You can't skip Christians. You can't skip the apostles' teaching. So we also say, well, I love the church. I love the community. I love the events. But I hate the apostles' teaching. It's homophobic. It's divisive, it's sexist, and I can't deal with it. So I'll come to church and I'll glean what I want to and leave the parts that I don't. We try to get around these things. We unlink them all the time. Or I love the church, but I hate Jesus. I love the community. I love the feel-good messages. I love, the, the, uh, I love knowing that my week can be great, or I'm getting off on a good start, or what do I need to be a successful, better person, quote-unquote? I don't need all this Jesus divine grace stuff and hearing that I'm a sinner. I don't need that. Okay? These are not unlinkable. They're inseparable. Okay? So whatever we think we're gleaning apart from Jesus has nothing to do with salvation. Or whatever we think we're getting from Jesus apart from the church has nothing to do with salvation. It's a false community. Jesus goes through you to reach the world. Jesus goes through you to reach us. Jesus goes through us to reach you. This is the relationship that he has established from the beginning of the world. You, each and every one of you, are bound to every burdensome, sinful, frustrating, annoying aspect of every person here. You're also bound with every wonderful, kind, gracious part of every person here. But you can't leave the bad to take the good. You can't take something you have in common and leave the things you don't. It doesn't work like a friendship. We are united. There's no such thing. There's a phrase that, that I hear a lot. Um, uh, areas of unity. We're united in these areas. That's not a thing. Okay, You're either united or you're not. You can have areas in common, but you can't be united in some ways and not in others. Okay, So, so we, we take all of each other when we are united. We are bound to everything about each other, which means that how we relate, we are called to patience and grace and love, not 
we are called to bear with each other as long as it suits us or bear with each other as long as we're not getting bored, right? We bear with each other because we are united with each other. Instead of running, we unite. Instead of writing off, we forgive. We are intentional about that unity. And, and that was an intentional part of Christ's plan. You think about how that works. This is a window into the love of Jesus. He said, he prayed to, for the Father to make us one. To make us one with him. To make us one with each other. The way that he is one. You think about that, you, you characterize the divine, eternal connection between Father and Son and Spirit. And he said, yeah, what we got, you have. What we have amongst each other in, in the, the triune Godhead, that's your relationship with each other. You can't split, you can't run. And it's intentional for that because that gives us a heart for each other. That gives us a window into the heart of Christ for you because he bound himself to the worst parts of you. He bound himself to all of your sin. He bound himself to all of your brokenness and he took it on himself. He made himself known to his father in that regard. All those things that you can't look about, these broken, sinful people, I take on myself. This is part of me. They are, they are part of me. And he nailed those things to the cross. He rose. They didn't. He rose. Our sin did not. We are united in Christ. So how we relate to each other is a, is a huge picture of how we relate to Christ, of how Christ relates to us. Man, I cannot do this right now. I, I, can't, I can't look at this person. I can't talk to them. Jesus was frustrated when he walked this earth. He was frustrated with unbelief. He was frustrated with those breaks in relationships. But he stuck, and he carried it through, and he sacrificed. I don't want to turn this into whatever Jesus did, you do. Right? It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, a fable, right? How Jesus lived, you live. I mean, that's true. We do live like Christ. We are made holy like Christ. But we do not cure each other's brokenness or forgive each other's sins by our sacrifices for each other. We can't do that. When we unite, when we come together, it's not bringing you to me or me to you. It's all of us collectively being brought to Christ. Okay? All of us collectively being forgiven in Christ. Because a church that is unified in Jesus unifies in Jesus. We're a church in motion. Would y'all please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you as one body. Not just a group of people. We come before you in the identity in the body of your son, Jesus Christ. So we know that you hear us. We are united in him. We pray in his name. We know that you hear us. You have been so gracious to us and all the gifts that you have given us, and I boldly and humbly ask for still more. We need your forgiveness. We need your spirit. We need your unity. 
Father, even as you promise it, even as you dole it out, we, we, we crave it. We need it. We need more. It's not, it's not a come-together weekly thing. We need it every second of every day so that when we split from this place and go to our own homes and our own families or, or go into the workplace or whatever, that, that we are still anchored to one another because collectively we are anchored to you. We bear you in our lives. We bear you in the way that we live. Affect the way we pray. Affect the way we live. Affect the way we love. Affect the way we spend our money. Affect the way we talk to each other. Affect us as a church because we are your son, Jesus Christ, manifest in this world. And as you say, by the way that we live, by our unity with you and our unity with each other, draw the world to yourself. They may see your glory as well. Father, we lay all of our limited nature before you. We lay all of our sins, we lay all of our brokenness before you now as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the forgiveness of your son, Jesus Christ, through his body and his blood and in Holy Communion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.